Hello, we're back after a few months away with episode three of Motorsport with Leverage, the official Leverage Promotions podcast. I'm Adam Leverage, the founder and managing director of Leverage Promotions. And in each episode, I'll be engaging in topical and sometimes quirky discussions with key figures from every rung of the motorsport ladder, from karting to Formula One. I'm here to take you right into the action in pit lanes around the world at some of the highest profile motorsport events. Here, we're getting to know 21-year-old South African racer Andrew Rackstraw, who was a standout performer during two days of LMP3 testing with RLRM Sport after the final round of the European Le Mans series in Portimao. First of all, welcome to Motorsport with Leverage. Tell us the story of how you became interested in motorsport. Who was your inspiration? It's actually a funny story because my dad used to do karting when he was younger. So he was always going to the track every single weekend just to Kalani um, to watch a race. And when I was born, he used to bring me with. But I used to hate it and scream and cry because the cars were too loud. But in grade seven, so when I was 13 years old, I had a knee injury. So my dad decided to, well, my mom actually, she's not into racing at all, but she told my dad to take me to the indoor karting track. So he thought he would one up her and take me to the actual karting track, which is also at Kalani. So we went on to the karting track and I tested a 60cc Max Torino. And I think that day we bought that exact kart the bug bits from that day and I've just never ever stopped so that that was the love story oh wow fantastic very spontaneous by the sounds of it completely it was never I had never shown any interest in racing I never watched Formula One before then I didn't know the motorsport world existed so it was very different peculiar but I just completely fell in love I think that evening we bought a suit that I used at the test and I slept in it for about three days afterwards just smelling the two-stroke fuel. School became an issue because all I was thinking about was racing. <laughs> right, okay, yeah, that's fair enough. I, I get what you mean about the two-stroke smell, you can't beat that. Not at all. Mix that with uh, the smell of rubber as well and it's, uh, it's intoxicating. A complete drug. <laughs> Well, that's interesting anyway, that you said you knew nothing about, you know, motorsport, Formula One. To be honest, I don't know much about the South African motorsport scene. Is there much interest and support within the country, uh, either for domestic championships and drivers or the top flight international categories like Formula One? South Africa really struggles with getting marketing out with with the racing that actually happened. So many of my friends didn't know the racing system. I brought them to the track and they just completely fell in love and started supporting drivers and the different categories. And our pedigree of drivers in South Africa is really high, even though our racing compared to overseas, our numbers are quite small. The level of racing is very, very high. Um, which is unfortunate because many of those drivers don't get to make more of a, a career out of it. But definitely Formula One, after, especially after Drive to Survive came out, it, that's all basically anyone is talking about and the drivers. And I think they really enjoyed the gossip 
behind Formula One and to be able to understand actually what these drivers go through. Because I think that's a problem that most people uh, struggle with is to understand and relate to Formula One drivers because it's just no one will come close unless you race yourself. You, you can't describe what it's like to race, especially Formula One. So after Drivers 5 came out and you could understand it more, then there was a lot more traction to motorsport. But yeah, it's just unfortunate that motorsport in South Africa, the nationals, doesn't get as much recognition and support. There is a big support base, but it could be a lot, a lot bigger. Okay, yeah, I mean, it is fair to say there aren't many South African racers currently on the international stage. 1979 F1 world champion Jody Schechter is perhaps the best known South African racing driver. And let's face it, that was a long time ago. So what you're saying is we don't see many South Africans competing internationally because of a lack of exposure to the sport. I think it's also just money. Coming from South Africa, the rand is so bad compared to all the, the overseas currency. It's just hard to make that step because it's a bit disconnected. Uh, from the overseas world and unless you know the right people you can very easily get sucked into a hole of just endless spending of millions of rand. So I think that's our biggest issue we struggle with in South Africa. Would you like to see F1 return to South Africa? Perhaps at Kailami? I mean what a great circuit that is. Absolutely. Driving demonstration with just a few cars, some old type Formula One cars and lots of Formula cars just went and uh, did demonstration laps just to get the hype around Formula One cars coming in. What an incredible circuit. And I know there will be so much support at the circuit and it will just be amazing to have because this country is filled with so much culture and just vibrance and the people are amazing. They really are. They're very friendly and our motorsport fanatics are crazy about Formula One, hopefully for 2024, but it would be an absolutely amazing event to have Formula One back. There has certainly been a lot of talk about it, the suggestion that we can't have a real world championship without Africa on the calendar. I, I completely agree. I think with Formula One traveling around the world, it's and especially Kailami, which is an amazing circuit and has a big history uh, with Formula One. I know the old circuit, Kailami, but it, it, it would just be amazing for Formula One to come to South Africa and Africa in general and then hopefully build a long-lasting history which will start hopefully soon and go for many, many years with the drivers coming to South Africa. I think it also just shows people watching on TV overseas that South Africa and hopefully bring, like we were discussing earlier, bring more recognition to South African motorsport, which I think will be amazing for all of us. So let's get back to you and let's go back to the beginning. You started karting at the age of 12 in 2016, I believe. Did racing come naturally to you? It did. I was fortunate enough to, on the day, meet my driver coach, who I still use today, Claudio Piazza who was a karting world champion and did lots of single-seater racing as well. So it, from his teaching, I was able to, because I enjoyed the sport so much, I was so eager to learn and listen and 
take it slow and just build the basics that it's it was an enjoyable process which it still is as in racing i think we all know you never stop learning so it 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 did come naturally there was a bit of talent but obviously talent means nothing if you're not willing to put in the hard work of course it was only two years before you stepped into cars in the south african formula 1600 national championship it sounds as though you made quite a seamless transition into car racing yeah after after karting i, I thoroughly uh, believe that if you can master kart if you jump into anything you can be quick because the basics are there so a formula 1600 which is a formula ford basically with wings and slicks a 1600 engine um sequential gearbox it was a big go-kart all i needed to adjust to was the front brakes and the gears the bigger track um learning new tracks but it was like you said it was seamless and i kind of adapted to it like a duck in water and yeah i it was just unfortunate that in the first few i think two years we couldn't do the full championship because of study commitments in school finishing school was the priority and obviously now party but last year we were lucky enough to have the time to complete the full championship which, which went absolutely amazingly well I think 11 out of 12 races, we won uh, four out of six pole positions, I think two or three lap records. So it, it was a dominant uh, performance and it was nice to see when I put it 100% effort into the championship that it, it went our way in there. I mean, did you expect to make such a big impact at the first time of asking? Well, some drivers struggle with believing that they can. Uh, which I think I actually struggle with a bit and have a bit of self-doubt. So I remember even my first race when I couldn't actually believe that I could win. Well, I didn't even think it was possible. But like I said, just building on the basics, you, you just kind of chip away slowly until that first race win happens. And then you gain so much confidence after that. And then you believe that you can and that's mindset change just flicks a switch and everything becomes just so much easier now just no matter what i'm racing what i'm driving it's just the absorbing like a sponge and not getting too carried away by the results and just sticking to the job what i need to be doing what needs to be done and just enjoying the process as well which i think is so important i think there are a lot of drivers that are too harsh on themselves and don't enjoy what they're actually doing. As you've already said, you sensibly chose to miss rounds and put your schooling ahead of your racing. I mean, was that a tough decision at the time? And how do you look back on it now? Because I was quite young and naive, if I could, I would have done the whole championship. But obviously through my parents and obviously with their experience and wisdom, I want to say, they kind of nurtured me into that route of schooling and getting a degree is very important. If, so if something goes wrong, that, that I have something to fall back on. There definitely is, was frustration in terms of I saw my competitors who 
were either younger than me or older than me and had dropped out of school or were homeschooled and were able to go to the track every single day of the week and I was stuck in school working and not being able to focus on a championship which made it really hard as you would enter a race weekend and instead of being able to just purely focus on the racing there was always in the back of your mind what you were doing at school or the next test or exam. I never went into a race weekend completely 100% prepared so it made me adapt I think a lot quicker than the other drivers and just in terms of when I did get the opportunity to drive or test I had to make it count 100% and all the time. So looking back on it I think at the time I was frustrated but now I see it was quite a wise decision and if I could go back in time I wouldn't change anything. So balancing a concerted title push with your studies was challenging? Oh, oh completely. Um, since I started racing, it's been a challenge, but a challenge that has been very rewarding. I'll travel to races, come back, study day in, day out, and then repeat the cycle again and again. And I've been able to work out a good balance with being able to still see friends, uh, get the work done, and get to race. Of course, you went on to win 11 of 12 races en route to the 2021 South African 1600 title. It must make winning all the more satisfying. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Winning that championship was sacrificing so much because that's the other thing that comes into it. There was a lot of sacrifice that actually took place when all my friends were able to go out on the weekend to a party or a festival. I was unable to because I had to work because the next day I was going to the track or I couldn't drink because um, I was prioritizing racing and keeping fit. Like you said, it made it so much more rewarding when I won. I think schooling and enabled me to adapt to difficult situations or if there's a setup and I'm not sure what to do, it's enabled me to just think almost more out of the box which I think has been a, a strong suit of mine. You've dabbled in other forms of motor racing too, haven't you? Yes, so this year I'm actually competing in the GTC series, which is the Global Touring Cars, which basically is the very similar chassis to the V8 supercars in Australia. And I'd only ever done one endurance race in a tin top, which was a Lamborghini Gallardo GT3 car. So it's been, it's been a, an interesting learning year, but it's been absolutely amazing. To name but a few, you made appearances in the Somoli Hill Climb, a Lamborghini GT3, as you said, and Formula VW single-seaters. Was this you trying to find a direction for your motorsport career? So the Formula VW, which is the old spare range Formula 3 card, which is our regional series, was purely for me to understand more about the aerodynamics of a car with more downforce and more uh, power, obviously, and bigger tires. We have always known which routes we're going to do, but we've never really known how to execute it or how to get into it overseas. But there's no other single-seaters in South Africa after Formula 1600. So once you've won that, there's nothing else to step up to. So GTC helped me to just 
understand more about a tin top in case I went to the GD3 route. So you, you are actually correct. It, it has helped me adapt to anything that I would want to do in the future. Okay, so does that mean endurance sports car racing has always been on your radar as the preferred career path? Or has it appeared more recently? A lot more recently. Doing the nine-hour race with Nick Adcock in his Ligier was an absolute eye-opener. Before that, I hadn't dabbled in too much endurance racing. It was all just sprint racing. So it was an absolutely amazing and completely different environment. I've never raced with a teammate before. And at nine hour, I think there were four drivers in total. And the challenge of an endurance race intrigued me so much and just, I think, really captivated me. So from that day on, I was just glued, absolutely glued to the endurance racing. So what makes endurance sports car racing an attractive proposition for you? It's the challenge. It really is. I think being able to drive for so long and having to adapt to so many situations, always being able to drive if the car will let you 10 tenths or going to the time, not being able to get fatigued mentally or physically making the least amount of mistakes, minimizing time through traffic, the bigger the challenge was, I think it attracted me the most in racing. We always want to be perfect. Um, and the closest you are to, perf to perfection, the better driver you are. So I really wanted to perfect endurance racing and to be able to almost really for endurance racing to become my forte. There are just so many challenges that you have to face and overcome and the emotions and it's not the fastest driver and the hardest driver will win. It's, there's so many variables, which I just absolutely love. And I think one of my strong suits is working with people as I'm a people's person. I'm very extroverted. So I love working with the team and other drivers and being able to see what makes the other drivers tick to be able to go faster because there's no point in the fastest driver doing the fastest times, but the other teammates can't drive the car. So I think that was also a fascinating point for me. Well, you've mentioned the 2021 Kalani 9 Hour. You shared Nick Hadcock's very own Ligier JS53 with himself and Michael Jensen. This resulted in an invitation to test one of RLRM Sports Ligier JSP320s in Portimao. I understand you were pretty excited by the prospect of testing an LMP3 car. I think pretty excited is an understatement. As soon as Nick phoned me and told me about it, which was actually, I was at Varsity, and he says, there's this amazing opportunity. What are you doing on the 17th, 18th of October? And this was months ago, and I said nothing. And he said, how do you know so long in advance? And I said, because the 17th is my birthday. It's my 21st birthday. So since that day and the opportunity, just the opportunity to be able to come overseas and drive an LMP3 car, which I've been watching on TV and Nick's races for oh, a long, long time. So to be able to do that alone before even getting there, I was having sleepless nights just thinking about it, watching YouTube video after YouTube video of 40 miles of LMP3 cars, how an LMP3 car works technically. Pretty excited, it's a complete understatement. 
and then obviously once I was there, I was just absolutely blown away, to say the least. Well, the feedback has been very good. Uh, to quote Nick and Michael, they were startled by your speed and talent during the Kalani Nine Hour. And then we've since heard from Nick Reynolds, RLRM Sports, Director of Motorsport Operations, that you cooperated very well and communicated very well with the team's engineers throughout. How did the test go for you? It was an eye-opener. Firstly, just arriving in the pits was a different ball game completely with the professionalism, with all the screens, with all the cars, with all the trucks. It was something completely out of my comfort zone, obviously, traveling from South Africa by myself overseas to this unknown environment. And then just seeing the car in person was hair-raising. Being able to drive it, I remember the first lap, I just couldn't believe what I was driving, where I was, and the opportunity that I had. And I just knew I had to do the best that I could, whatever that was. And from there, it was, again, just the basics of building up the stepping stones of understanding the car, getting the car to the limit, getting the tires to the limit, understanding the error with the engineer, picking his brain to understand more about the car. At the end of the two days of testing, having the fastest time, it came easy because of how enjoyable it was. And I was never chasing lap times, but rather understanding how to go quicker or how can I improve with looking at data and looking at video footage. And I'm still digesting the whole test. It was just an incredible experience, um, something I will never forget for the rest of my life and the uh, most amazing 21st birthday. But after that test, I was just blown away by everything. I've fallen in love with uh, overseas racing, especially driving with RLR, which was such an amazing team. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity. And obviously having Nick there was a huge plus on my side. Working with the race engineers was just phenomenal experience. And I was really happy with the outcome. That's great to hear. Can you shed some light on what your run plan entailed and what you took away from your test with RLR? Going there, I, there was no plan I needed to do something special or I needed to blow everyone away. I think it was just a, the next stepping stone for myself and we did a good job, which is always nice to hear and a good confidence booster. But really the biggest thing that I took away from that team was just how the team was brought together and was able to work just like absolute clockwork. Everyone had their own job. Everything was so seamless. And the level of detail that the race engineer would go into with the car and the testing was just something we don't really get to experience in South Africa. Everything is a lot more intense. I really enjoyed learning more about how to extract more of a car out of the car. And yeah, what I've taken away from it was just a much more bigger picture, which is what I want to be doing in the future and who I want to be doing it with. You mentioned the fact you topped Tuesday's times. You certainly raised a few eyebrows within the ELMS paddock by doing that. Your best time of 1 minute 37.7 would have actually been good enough for a top six start in this year's four hours of Portimao. 
and you had no prior experience of LMP3 machinery or the Portimao circuit. You described this as the best day of your life, didn't you? It was the best day of my life. I still stand by it. I don't think any other day will come close to it, no matter how long I live. I'm sure the next time I go to testing house and with, with, <laughs> with hopefully RLR and LMP3, I'll say the same thing. Um, but right now, that was the best day of my life, and I wouldn't have spent it anywhere else. My parents were actually saying, phone me on my birthday and say, oh, you're not missing the family, and we're so sorry that you're not here. I said, I'm sorry, but this is the best birthday present. I'm sorry I can't be there with you <laughs> on a special day, but this is just amazing. How do LMP3 prototypes differ from all of the other cars you've driven before? Were there any surprises or was there something you were particularly impressed about? Like you said, I'd never driven an LMP3 or at the Portimao circuit. So I watched thousands of laps around Portimao to try and understand the car, how it handles. But you just can't describe how amazing those cars are when you drive it. You know something is quick when on the video it looks so that was almost expected, but what I didn't expect was how much aero there was and how much you could just trust the car to stick around the corners. I think I even remember the first lap on the straight, I took a deep breath just because I had to calm myself with how much it differed from anything I've driven. The leisure of Nick's in South Africa was probably the closest thing I'd driven, but still nowhere near the level of the LMP3. And I mean, that amazing, amazing V8 sound, just something that's still ringing in my ear. But let's look to the future. So what's the plan? Will we see you in the ELMS or Michelin Le Mans Cup paddocks anytime soon? That's definitely my goal. I think 2024, I definitely want to be part of the LMS just because I have my final year, I'm graduating past next year, and then I'll move overseas to pursue racing a lot more seriously. But there are a few things that have come up for next year, some exciting things, and just to hopefully get more experience in the car around some of those circuits. When I do hopefully do the 2024 full season, I'll be able to adapt a lot quicker and it will feel a lot more like second nature. Well, Andrew Rackshaw, thank you very much for joining me. I wish you all the best with your studies and really hope that we see you in the paddock sometime soon. Be sure to follow RLRM Sport on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and TikTok for all the latest news and content from the team. You'll find all episodes of Motorsport with Leverage past and present on your preferred podcast platform. But until next time, goodbye.